it is a life-changing process to go through. And I know that sounds so cheesy, but from being someone who was in that dieting mindset to an intuitive eater, I have noticed so many huge changes in my life. My Instagram alone has really improved their relationship with food. And that's just people who are following me on Instagram, not my clients or anything. Welcome to the Daily Dietitian Podcast. I am your host, Stacey Mitchell. I am so happy to have you here. My goal for this podcast is to break down the latest health topics and help clear the clutter in the messy world of nutrition and fitness. We hope to inspire, educate, and entertain all things wellness. Join us as we talk with experts in their fields on how to feel our best in our own body and mind. Hey there, thank you for joining us this week. We have many guests on the podcast that talk about building a healthier relationship with food, body, and mind. And even though the topic of intuitive eating is repetitive here, I am thrilled when we talk with experts and they have a whole new way of understanding the principles. Our guest today, Krista Beck, is a registered dietitian and certified intuitive eating counselor. She has so many good nuggets on information. I like to call them light bulb moments, even for me when I was listening and I thought, oh, I need to remember that myself. That's a good one. So I hope you feel the same way. Intuitive eating is not a one size fits all type of a program. And just when you think, you're doing a good job at listening to your hunger cues or embracing body neutrality, it hits us. That darn diet culture. Even the nuances of wellness culture. Have you heard about it? I'm just learning about it too. But there are so many ads, social media influencers, putting these little bits of fear or information out there that might steer you towards the latest way to lose weight or even have a fear of certain foods that set you back 10 steps from your healthy relationship with food, body, and mind. Krista shares her stories about her own restrictive eating patterns and why intuitive eating is the pot of gold or the magic bullet when it comes to finally trusting yourself with food, overcome overeating, and taking the steps to a healthier body image with oneself. This episode is so good, and I hope it helps you to repeat these positive messages, especially during the summer months, and not let your thoughts stop you from enjoying the summer in whatever you wear. Join us for this conversation. Well, Krista, it is so great to have you here with us. Will you introduce yourself and tell everyone who you are and what you do? For sure. Thanks so much for having me. So my name is Krista Beck. I'm a registered dietitian and certified intuitive eating counselor, and I am from a small town in northern Manitoba, Canada. So about a year ago, I started my business, Dietitian Krista, and it's a completely virtual business where I work with people one-to-one, and I also offer online courses. And the goal in my business has always been really just to put information out there to help people overcome diet culture, stop dieting for good, and really mend their relationships with both food and their bodies. Um, your posts and social media are always so good. And and I'd be scrolling and I'd be like, oh, I have to get her on. I'd put you on a list and I'd forget to, to contact you. And then I'd see another post. I'm like, oh, that's so good again. Um, how did you get into this space of intuitive eating? So it, for me, it actually started... Um, so I guess I went to school to be a dietitian because I struggled with 
my own disordered eating. And at that time, I didn't realize that. Like I thought my behaviors were very healthy. So when I was ready to go to school, uh, nutrition was very interesting to me because I was always trying to diet to be the healthiest version of myself, which I realized was actually very disordered. And so that's what kind of prompted me to go to school. And then when I, once I was in school, um, my friend who was also in nutrition school kind of introduced me to the topic of intuitive eating. And I think she kind of realized that I needed it for myself. And that's kind of where the intuitive eating piece came in was I moved away from that, those disordered dieting behaviors to a more intuitive eater. So by the time I was out of school, I did start with clinical dietetics, but my passion was always with intuitive eating. So at that time, I learned more, I became a certified intuitive eating counselor. And then I re- that's kind of what I want to help other people with overcoming that disordered eating like I went through myself, which I can speak to more if you'd like. Right. Um, with intuitive eating, you know, some people think, oh, I can just eat anything I want. There's no guidelines. There's no rules. How is that going to make me healthier, a healthier version of myself? What would you say to that? I think that's a very big misconception because that's part of it. Like, I guess, principle making peace with food is, you know, allowing all foods in your diet. And it's not just eat whatever you want, whenever you want, without thinking of your health. Um, So that's part of it. You're considering your health. But not only that, it's really more of a focus of doing things that make your body feel good. So when you say, you know, I can have cookies whenever I want, but if I want to feel good, how, how can I incorporate cookies and still feel good? So if I eat a box of cookies for lunch, I'm not going to feel good. Okay, so we're probably not going to do that. But if I have a nice balanced lunch, and then I have a cookie after a cookie or two after for dessert, then 100%, you're going to be satisfied, you're going to feel okay, it's not going to cause health issues by, you know, incorporating those things once in a while. And I think what people don't realize is, the more you restrict foods like that, the more you actually want them. So it can take some time. But once you allow yourself to really have all those things, um, you're not going to you're not going to overeat them anymore. That is a great way to explain that. And um, overeating can definitely happen. We know when we have the restriction cycle and you have a looks like a nice little guide here on four steps to overcome overeating. What are some of the first steps when people are having those feelings of being out of control around food? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I do have a free guide on that. And I think there's the main reason for overeating is restriction. And that could be like restriction in the terms of you're just not eating enough or restriction in you're not allowing all foods. So um, one of the first things I always work on with my clients, because a lot of clients actually come to me and that's one of their main struggles is, oh, I can't stop overeating. And when you look at what they're actually eating during the day, it's that, you know, they're skipping meals or they're holding off trying to prevent themselves from overeating, which then drives that overeating later. Or um, the other side to that is kind of what we talked about is when people aren't allowing certain foods, whether that's like that physical restriction of not allowing a cookie or that mental restriction, you want it that much more. So that making peace with food part comes into that as well. And those are kind of two of the main pieces and I work on initially. And the first one being is making sure you're eating regularly throughout the day because that is a big driver of overeating for sure. Yes. Um, you also mentioned about the diet industry and how it's a multi-billion dollar industry. And 
why do we keep getting pulled into that darn diet is- industry? We want that quick fix. We see it. We think that's going to be the the magic bullet. What would you tell someone having those thoughts? 100%. And it's so easy to get pulled into it because it, across the media, you're seeing that's what they portray over the media is this thin, ideal body, and they make it look like in order to be healthy and be happy and be loved or whatever it is, uh, you need this thin body. And they're like, we have the solution for you to get this thin body, right? Whether it's take our green juice or take this supplement or do this meal plan or workout plan, right? And we'll get you there. So I think they they kind of thrive off of people's insecurities in that way. And then they're also thriving off of people's failures. And that's, that's how they make so much money, right? Because they sell these fixes that are that don't work out long term so then they're looking for the next thing to buy yes i um i'm getting into youtube videos now (laughs) and i can get stuck in the rabbit hole of watching some of those and i was listening to podcasts and a youtube video and i'm i'm mowing and i'm listening to all this and I'm getting it in I'm getting so riled up and I'm I'm hearing the news about weight watchers and how they're turning over into more of a wellness platform but I also was informed that they're losing a lot of money too so they're rebranding if these diets are marketed so well in the long-term effect how effective are diets so they're not <laughs> in the long term. And that's the thing I think a lot of people don't realize. A lot of people think that they're the issue and they think that they have no willpower and they can't maintain these diets. But oftentimes when people are selling things like macro plans or whatever program it is, it's a short term program. And that same thing with studies, right? A lot of studies that are weight focused, the intervention period is so short. It's Three to six months are the typical intervention periods, and that's when most of the weight loss occurs, the maximum amount of weight loss. And the follow-up for that in those studies usually isn't that long. But those ones that have gone beyond, it's the two- to five-year period where that, you know, after the one-year period, usually the weight gain comes back sometimes sooner for others depending on the diet. But it's the longer term where the weight does come back because these behaviors are not sustainable. And, you know, that's not to say that a person – can never lose weight, right? Like a person can and, can and keep it off. If you're engaging in healthy behaviors and your body is supposed to be smaller, you probably will lose weight healthily and you probably will keep it off. But when you're when you're engaging in these weight focused restrictive behaviors that aren't sustainable, the chances are the weight will come back. And I think it's just we, we, people need have a hard time accepting this. But some people, you know, your body's not meant to be smaller, and and when you keep trying to change it and you keep trying to lose weight you're really just causing a lot more harm to your body as well it's it's not just that it's not just the fact that the diets are ineffective there's more to it than that as well that goes on right I think a lot of people forget that they don't see that on marketed or on social media they just see the outcome of the weight loss but what happens six months to a year on that and they also don't realize that 95% of diets don't even work long term that's the thing yeah there, there's that 95 percent failure rate that we see and two-thirds or 66 percent of people usually gain back more weight and like you said like they're not seeing that long term when when diet industries or people people have others taking their diet programs they're posting there during you know or they're immediately after results they're not posting 
what's happening two years. And neither are those people, right? No one wants to show that side. People want to show off what's happening in the moment when, when they look successful. But when it comes back, they, they aren't showing that. Right. Um, I can't remember what book I was reading, but they were, they were going into the biggest loser participants and coming back to seeing how like they, um, how they were, you know, a year to five year term after that. Yeah, I think I like I yeah, I'm aware of that study. And I can't remember how many years after either, but they they did follow up with participants. It was probably around that five year or so mark. And it seemed that their baseline muscle mass had decreased, I think, like, 10 pounds on average, and, and their metabolism was down, I think it was like six to 700. By by that still like that long after. Um, You also have a great post on here about BMI was created 200 years ago by a mathematician. Tell us more about that. Yeah. And that's the thing. I think it was it was created to be just like, to kind of get an idea of what people's body mass index was. So like at a population level, really just taking a person's weight and a person's height and kind of figuring out where people fall. And then they turned it into using it as a measure of health, which is how do you measure health on weight and height alone? I don't know. It's such a standard. And especially when your healthcare professional is talking about that, that can be tough. That's, it is very tough. And I, that's just the way everyone's educated and Unfortunately, it's still in so many of our assessments, like um, when you're doing assessments in just like your regular nutrition assessment form in the clinical setting, it's always asking what's their weight, what's their height, what's their BMI. And it's like, what's the relevancy of this? (laughs) (laughs) Right. Um, What are some roadblocks or hiccups that you see people in the first steps of maybe trying the intuitive eating method method? Yeah, I think it's really hard for people um, to overcome that diet mentality or for that, you know, that desire for weight loss doesn't just go away. And so I think that's really hard for people to accept that they're just, they're learning how to accept that their body weight could end up being higher or lower or maintaining. And that's really hard for people because in the past, whenever they've started a new food plan or they've met with a dietitian or someone selling them weight loss, that was always the goal was weight loss. And that was the outcome they were guaranteed. So I think it's just hard for people to accept that, especially if they do start gaining weight, it's like, Oh no, should I start restricting again? I think that's a hard, that's a very hard piece to overcome. Yes, very much so. Um, You have a post here that says, have you ever considered the fact that food may not actually be the issue? Yeah, <laughs> a lot of times that's what I see. A lot of times whenever people experience gut issues or whatever it is or migraines or something, it's like, well, this must be the gluten in my diet or this must be the dairy and I got to cut that out. And then and they do cut it out. And sometimes people notice symptom improvement when they cut things out and, you know, but they don't know if there's that really big placebo or that nocebo effect. And oftentimes food's not actually the issue. And when you look at everything that's going on in their life, it's like, well, are, what about your sleep? Are you sleeping enough? Um, what is your movement like? 
yes, what kind of foods are you eating, but are you eating enough? You know, there's a lot of other things to look at and people are really quick to blame food for their problems and cut it out. And it just creates an even poorer relationship with food. That is a great example because how many times do we see people cutting out gluten and dairy right away or sugar in their diet? Yes, exactly. So, so frequently. (laughs) I should say, do you have any uh, posts or reels that have resonated with your audience? Um, I feel like what resonates most with my audience is a lot. A lot of my stories, and I guess I'll say that because that's kind of what I get the most responses to. And it's more of like posting things that are relatable or more personal, personal, I guess, um, or sharing like those kind of real life intuitive eating moments. I think people really like to hear those things because, you know, if I'm sharing something they relate to, they're like, hey, yeah, I've been through that or this has really helped me. I've had a lot of people send me messages saying like, that my Instagram alone has really improved their relationship with food. And that's just people who are following me on Instagram, not my clients or anything. So, yeah. Tell us more about your program and services that you provide. So currently I provide one-to-one nutrition coaching and that is, um, I, I, I sell like a six session package with that. And with that comes unlimited messaging support in between, as well as my course, the formula for food freedom. So that's kind of another thing I now have too. Um, And that just kind of helps people really learn how to get away from dieting and diet culture and adopt that healthier relationship with food and really become an intuitive eater. And then aside from that, it's just kind of my free offers, like you mentioned, my, um, my guide on how to overcome overeating, as well as um, an intuitive eating mini training. Now we talk about intuitive eating and the relationship of, you know, building a healthier relationship between food and yourself. But obviously, you went into this profession, loving nutrition, what types of nutrition guidance are you also providing within your group? So it's it's a one to one and then like in my course or within my one to one, I should say either or first, we kind of take that mindset steps how do you then gradually get into the, I should say, gentle nutrition area and finding those foods that you feel good and that are providing nourishment? Yeah, and that, for sure. So gentle nutrition is kind of the last principle of intuitive eating. Um, it's not necessarily always covered last. I do cover it last in my course, um, but I still have guidance on, you know, food suggestions and stuff. So for example, the first session I have with a client we're not going to be talking about like macronutrients and this is the most nutritious and you should eat this versus that. But uh, for example, when we're working on, okay, you need to eat more throughout the day. I might give suggestions of what foods might help them feel good. What foods are going to help fill you up and keep you, um, keep you feeling full long enough. And really with the nutrition piece, I guess the first part again is let's focus on what makes you feel good. And I feel like a lot of people really do most somewhat educated people have an understanding of which foods are, you know, nutritious and which ones aren't so nutritious. And that's really not the issue. The issue is that relationship piece. So yes, I answer questions about, you know, nutritional content and stuff about food, but it's not usually a focus because I find that most people, you know, have that idea. However, there is so much, we know there's so much misinformation out there as well in terms of like carbs being bad and bread you shouldn't eat bread and things like that so I I do help work through those misbeliefs with them as well wonderful 
Um, where can people find and connect with you? So I'm mainly on Instagram at dietitian.krista. And otherwise, uh, my website, www.dietitiancrista.com. And you can email me uh, hello at dietitiancrista.com. Any last takeaways for someone that is interested in taking on the intuitive eating approach? It's honestly a life-changing, it is a life-changing process to go through. And I know that sounds so cheesy, but go from being someone who was in that dieting mindset to an intuitive eater, I have noticed so many huge changes in my life myself, like everyday little things. And when you eat from an intuitive eating approach, rather than following a diet, you feel like you have so much more control over your life. And I do highly recommend making the switch for anyone out there who is struggling and just take the leap and get started with it. Whether you're buying the intuitive eating book or taking a free training, just do anything to get started with it. I love hearing that. Um, any testimonials or uh, examples from clients that stick out to you that have also had the same outcome? Yeah, I think like a lot of people are, especially my clients, I think one a big part of intuitive eating that they've that helped them is the, the body acceptance piece because the reason people diet or engage in disordered eating is because they do not like their bodies. And I think through going through intuitive eating, you know, they learn just how to accept their body. And with that, they're really able to adopt that approach and reject that dieting mindset. So they're leaving behind all those food rules and all that guilt with eating and all that stress of counting and weighing their food. And they've come a long way to being able to really just listen to their body cues and understand their hunger and understand their fullness and, you know, understand that there's a place for all foods within their diet. What would be the first step for someone to take on that body neutrality or acceptance? That's a hard one. I think it's kind of different for everyone. I think one thing you really have to understand it, or I guess a couple things is, you know, everyone's bodies are supposed to look different and a healthy body isn't necessarily that thin one. And when you continue to try and achieve that body, you're, you're not only harming yourself, but you're not giving your body the respect it deserves. And in order to kind of start with the whole body acceptance piece, I would say you, you kind of have to get out of your comfort zone, right? Not accepting your body is what holds you back from living. Uh, you know, I, I hear from clients like client not wanting to go to a hot tub party or to a pool because they're uncomfortable with their body and they, they miss out for that reason. So I think the first step is do the thing that makes you uncomfortable. Do the thing that your body is currently holding, your body image is currently holding you back from and kind of go from there. Life is about more than just your body, right? Mm -hmm. And again, like, I think that's the first thing we need to see is that what what is your diet or your body image holding you back from right now? And what's the one thing you can start doing today that's going to allow you to move forward? That is great advice. Krista, thank you so much for sharing your expertise here. And we will be sure to have all your information linked in the show notes and keep on doing what you're doing. You're doing a fabulous job. Awesome. Thanks so much for having me. Oh, so good. And I hope this episode has brought you new insight. It's a breath of fresh air, right? For you to trust yourself, wear those shorts or swimsuit like Krista mentioned, and take those first steps to what is holding you back from living your life. 
Be sure to follow Krista and check out her four steps to overcome overeating, her one-on-one nutrition coaching, and her online course called The Formula to Food Freedom. Thank you so much for spending your time here with us on the Daily Dietitian Podcast.